on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, for lifelong Saints fans, talking everything Southampton. Welcome to the Saints Prime Podcast. Hi guys, welcome back to the Saints Prime Podcast. We're here to talk about West Brom and we've got just over two hours left of the transfer window. So we're going to give you some live reactions to our little happenings in the transfer window. We've got Jamie back onto the podcast after his five-match ban. You doing well, Jamie? I'm good, thanks guys. Thanks for the warm reception. Of course. Um, and we've got uh, Mikey and Harry as always. But to celebrate Jamie's return, we've got an exclusive promotion for you guys to go and redeem. So let's go and have a listen to our sponsors now. With a good win against West Brom, a 2-0 victory and a fairly successful transfer window completed, I'd say it's a pretty good time to be a Saints fan. Well, why don't we make that even better for you and offer you a free crate of beer? So all you have to do is go to beer52 slash Saints and cover the 5 95 for postage and you'll get your first case of eight globally sourced, fresh as can be craft beers delivered straight to your doorstep. You could be sipping eight totally different craft beers sourced and curated by the good folks at Beer52. Also, they'll drop right at your house door, so you don't even need to leave the house. If you're looking to stock up on beer, now's your chance. They're now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, they send a case of craft beer from a different part of the world. Recent cases have included beer from the Alps, New Zealand, USA, Ireland, Korea, and even Germany. If you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time you like. Also, if you use our link, you will be helping support the podcast, which will allow us to continue and improve the show. So just go to beer52.com forward slash saints to get your first case of eight beers for $5.95. That's beer52.com slash saints. So there we go. Thank you again to the kind folks at Beer52 for getting you those deals. So all the information will be in the description. It'll be easy for you to find. So yeah, go check that out. But like we said, we've got plenty to cover this episode. We've got to cover the uh, West Brom win. Plenty to talk about that. So we're going to be excited, happy. How did that? Well, go on, do do the adjectives. What are we actually feeling about that game? Ecstatic. Ecstatic. I love that. Harry, Mikey, anything that comes to mind? I'm just, I'm just in shock at the words that Jamie just used. Ecstatic. Do you not use those big words up in Derby, Harry? (laughs) More than anything else, it's it's just a solid, good, professional win. Mikey, I'm sorry, I I interjected there. What were you about to say? No, I was going to go shocked over the fact that, well, Jeanette Mayu scored. That was a little Mm. bit of a surprise that no Danny Ings on the score sheet and Gineppo scored his first home goal, his first goal since Sheffield United. Um, and Romeo scored his first goal in wasn't it 50 league starts or something like something that something like ridiculous yeah. like that, his yeah. first touch yeah. in an opposition half this season <laughs> something, like, something crazy like that yeah. it's Which, just yeah. fantastic yeah I was happy for them both but I don't know whether this was taking it too far but I think the first half once we got that goal I couldn't have hoped for anything better in that first half I think it was exactly what we needed we completely dominated the goal mm-hmm. I dominate the half even mm-hmm. and then I, I was getting there the goal just kind of put a brilliant start to a first half I thought we absolutely did everything pretty much perfect first half I thought we were that? unlucky not to get more to us Sam Johnson the West Brom keeper had an absolutely stunning <laughs> first half yeah and I was I was like I kind of three four more goals in first half had, a, had an excellent game Harry oh, you're yeah. a big West Brom fan what do you think of him who Sam Johnson. Sam Johnson. Um, he, did, he did really well, to be fair. I mean, before this, you conceded three goals in each game. Uh, second half of every game, he conceded three goals. So he didn't have a great game or season up until this point. 
But, you know, he, he kept Westmore in the game for a long part of it due to the fact that I think we dominated them more than any other team, and at least in the first half period, because before before today, they've been quite good in the first half periods and they just didn't get going, probably because of their formation change. So he kept them in the game, but sadly for them, you know, they weren't able to muster out any, any threatening attacks really to, until the second half or late first half. Hmm. Yeah, I just want to explain your use of plurals. We is Southampton, isn't it, Harry? And yes. I just want to address the elephant in the room. You have a a soft spot for West Brom. Would that be the best way to describe? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I have a I have a connect a very loose connection where I like to you know. You're a mascot one day, Harry. The, no, I, I wasn't a mascot. No, I've I've played on the pitch once, but uh, yeah. not during the game. No, but um, that, that's that's yet to come. But okay. uh, no, I'm very. I've got a very loose connection. But if if there's any, I know the purists out there going, "Oh no, you shouldn't have a second team." West Brom, the second team. But if West Brom allowed team. to play, so it is a, point, it is a, it's not a fifty-fifty then. Oh no, it's a West Brom aren't even a percentage compared to Ooh. Southampton. Not even a percentage. Not even a percentage. Okay. Well, so it's from just scarf you have at your home, honey, in your bedroom, hanging up. We've got. I've got many scarves. Quite, I think it's Harry's the way of supporting Southampton and West Brom is quite like distinctive with the items that he's bought. One's a scarf. scarf. One is Sofiane Bouffal's shirt, and we know how. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we know the prices of that. So yeah, I think that's how you work out how um, Harry sponsors the two, not sponsors the two teams, supports the <laughs> flipperick. Yeah, can't, can't afford that. Okay, well, if we yes. need any background information to your allegiance with uh, West Brom, Harry, we will refer to you for any any knowledge. But did we? Was it was it us that just totally outplayed West Brom, or did they not show up, Harry? What was your assessment, knowing the two teams well? Uh, they they tactic West Brom tactically got it all wrong. I mean, up until this game, they played five the back each game, so they're quite solid. I don't like I said, I know they conceded three each game. But, you know, they're quite resolute in the fact that, you know, they would never normally let shots come out from outside the box. And to be fair, today, or when the game played, they didn't. But they didn't have any sort of attacking outlet due to the fact that they dropped their two wing-backs from a four, uh, from a five to a four. And they dropped Darnell Furlong and put centre-back O'Shea out the right-hand side. So they just didn't have any sort of attacking outlet down the wings. And they sort of left their attack quite isolated. You know, Dean Garner wasn't able to get into the game. Pereira wasn't able to get into the game. Robertson wasn't able to get in the game. Their only chances really came from set pieces. And that's normally, you know, in the championship, I think 11 goals came from their defenders. So that's, that's where they used to try and score from. But against Chelsea, you know, against the attack over the top, over the top three balls and being able to prey on opposition defences mistakes, that's what they did really well. And this game, they didn't have any chance because they didn't have any support up with Callum Robinson. Yeah, uh, and I was looking at it. Seemed like we were really pushing on our wing backs because we had uh, that opportunity to do so. And uh, Walker Peters got, I think he did get man of the match. I don't know if through it's mm. Premier League or definitely voted through Southampton fans as man of the match. Got the most touches in the game as well. So obviously had an impact. How important was Walker Peters to the game, Mike? I think him and Bertrand did a fantastic job uh, yeah. out wide. They. I think they cut inside a lot more as well. I think the two chances I really think of Bertrand shot early on and I think it was like seven minutes in. Probably could have done better with that and Johnson made a very good save. Um, and the second one is Carl Walker-Peters. It was a lovely ball from Vestergaard over the top of the West Brom uh, midfield. Carl Walker-Peters has a fantastic touch inside of his man, puts the ball into the box towards Ings 
and then one of the centre-halves got it, touched it back. Johnson had to make a save, and then Adams should have scored. Mm. Uh, but Johnson got his leg in the way again. Uh, and, yeah. and it just doesn't seem to be falling for Adams, does it? it is, whatever it is, he's getting the chances, he's getting in the positions, he, he's just not getting in the net. And it's the same as the start of last season as well. But he seems to be getting in the areas to score goals, it's just not going in. Yeah, but I think he's doing his role exactly what we need to and we're getting the, the win. So it's kind of like, I don't think he's he's had the sort of um, the performances to be dropped at all. He is still getting in the right places and doing well. Um, I just think, do you just have to keep going with him and just go, yeah, like it will eventually come? Is that the, and is he doing enough just to say, like, I know he's not getting the goals, but is he, he's still doing enough to keep his place, isn't he? Uh, as I was saying, he's had the most shots this season, so he's getting in positions to have a go and he's getting the chances to have a go. Um, but he's also created the most passes that have led to shots as well. Of course, he got mm. the assist for Danny Ings, um, for Burnley goal as well. So he's doing his job well. It's just about, it, it would be more useful for him to score goals as well as Ings, is, uh, or if he can just keep providing the goal for Ings, that's fine as well. Definitely. Um, what else do we think? I thought chance creation, like I think Jamie said, we had a lot of chances in the first half. It seemed like we were just waiting for that first goal and it came a bit of a, a magic from Gineppo, who I actually thought didn't have a great first half until he had his moment of magic. Is this <laughs> is this now Gineppo's stretch to try and assert his, his, uh, his place on the team? Because if he hadn't got that goal before first half, I thought he would have been, you know, like first person to come off. I don't know. So with that goal, he's definitely created a return now. Can you see him holding on to that place, Jamie? With the performance well, with Sofian who's officially left the club as of recording now, he's mm-hmm. got he got Redmond really got much competition on the left side of Redmond climbing back from injury. I can see him yeah. starting the next game. I don't, actually, no, I just thought there's the winter break, not winter break, the, the international, break. international break. So it's two weeks and play Chelsea. I can see him starting with because yes, he didn't have the greatest um, first half. Like you said, only got his first sub off. However, mm. they're giving the confidence he needs because Bufa. So I think what's his name? What's his name? I'm not thinking. Take a breather. First episode back. There we go. Yeah. Yes. He, he thrives on confidence, though. He, he can mm-hmm. tell from his, his social media. It's once he get, once he loves he loves the love. I think this will yeah. reboost him. It'll smash a one past Chelsea. You heard it here first. Oh, I, so, I disagree with Jamie. Oh, I, he, he hasn't that, taken, that's, that's unusual. He, <laughs> he hasn't. He hasn't taken his chance um, that he's had in the side when Rod, Redmond's been out and Armstrong's been out. He hasn't been overly impressive. I thought he had a really good Indeed. first half against Spurs, and then he went quiet. Defensively, he, he was shocking as well against Spurs in the second half because he wasn't tracking back for the entire game. Um, and then he was quiet again, and he scored. He was he scored, and he was the first sub off. I think that tells you what Ralph thought, was, thought of his performance, the fact that he wasn't getting into the game. He wasn't lively. He got the goal. The goal was a good Cruyff turn, good finish as well through the legs of the defender. But for him to come off and Redmond to come on after five, ten minutes of the second half, I think that really shows where Ralph wants, what position Gineppo is in in this team, that Redmond is definitely over him. So I can see Redmond coming back for Chelsea. Has anyone seen that pass map of the the average positions of the players and the average passes played between the different ones. I don't know if I could, if I'll, 
I can send it to you guys later, but it has pretty much what you'd expect. Defensive midfielders playing it with the centre-backs, midfielders playing it up to the strikers. But Gineppo is just on his hole, literally in between left left mid and centre mid. And he's just on his own and he didn't really have much link up at all because obviously he had his one moment for his goal, didn't really get involved and then he was first sub. So it really kind of shows he didn't have like too much of an impact on the game apart from his, his crucial goal. But Harry, I want to hear your opinion. Obviously, we've got this international break coming up. Redmond and Gineppo are both going to be in training now, fighting for the same place. Does Gineppo keep his place because of his, his goal contribution against West Brom? Or is it just who does the best in training plays? That, that's a good point. It depends if Redmond is fully fit by then. I imagine he will be because if you can mm. play 30 minutes, he'll have, he'll have another two-week break. And whether we play on Saturday or Sunday in two weeks' time is sort of irrelevant by that point. But, you know, Gineppo did... Okay, but like you said, Resmond, Resmond coming on so soon, like Mikey said, just shows sort of the pecking order. But like like you said, it's it's all about how they do in training. If one of them gets injured, so for me, I think Resmond will come back in, especially mm. because Reese James. It'll be it'll be up against Reese James on the left hand side, so it's not like the weakness that they used to have at full back as much as it used to be. So especially now Reese James just got an England call up, so he's going to have confidence on the back of that. Then it's the sort of thing of, you know, is, is Redmond that match? Is that match sharp and throwing him against Chelsea? Is mm. that a good idea? But then he had a great game against Chelsea last time we played them. So it's, it's a load of different factors. But overall, at the moment, I could probably see Redmond coming straight back in. As, as unfortunate that is for Gineppo, because as much as he didn't have the fa- most fantastic game, if you, if you said at the start of the game, not have a great game, but a goal, that you get a goal, a lot of people would more than happily take that. And Redmond's coming back into the side with a fresh start and I think something really nice that I saw from him first time he got really on the ball he did his trademark thing of slowing it right down to the defender and then that quick blow by to get down the line and we we haven't seen that for a while he seemed quite reluctant on the ball sometimes and now he's come back into the side as a sub he's trying to prove himself and try and make things happen which we need to see Redmond do you know you, you think that that last season goal against Huddersfield, running, cutting inside and putting it top corner. That's the on-form Redmond that we need to see. Um, like you said, he had a brilliant game at Chelsea as well. So Redmond's got to be coming into the side again with a bit of confidence as well, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, I think what I got the impression from Redmond was coming off the bench. He was just excited to play football again. Hmm. He looked like he wanted to be on the ball. He wanted to... Um, he wanted to dribble at people. And he was the one who found Armstrong. Armstrong's really good run in behind uh, for the cross for Romeo's volley. That was Redmond's pass that found it. Yeah. So he's, he was part of the creativity. He was a lot more involved than Gineppo was. Um, and I, th- I thought he had a good performance off the bench. Yeah. And one thing we talked about before the game in our actual preview, we were talking about what we thought out the side and Vestergaard had a man of the match performance before and we we argued that we think he should keep his place, which he did. And a lot of people I saw on Twitter were saying, oh, wrong decision. It's a totally different game, West Brom versus Burnley. We want Stevens back. Vestergaard proved them wrong. He had a really good game. I thought he looked really comfortable on the ball. Um, quite assured, absolutely no mistakes from him. And he looked like that, that dominating centre-back that we were crying out for. There was a defensive corner and he absolutely smacked it away got up high for it and really went through it which I was really happy to see because it provides that sense of stability in the defence you know how well do you reckon um, Vestergaard can do in a run in the team 
still, I'm still, I know Mikey's smiling because he's probably correct, but I'm still concerned because when you've got, now he's going to have Timo Werner running at him, he's going to have Hudson Adoy running at him, he's going to have all these mm-hmm. fantastic players, and it's, it's a completely different game. Yes, West Royal have got the pace, but they've not got the quality. So if we can answer the question against Chelsea, it is probably the ultimate question. If we can get a third consecutive clean sheet at Stamford Bridge with mm-hmm. Fessigard on the side, that sort of is his place confirmed. But then now we've got Salisu, so that's going to make it even yeah. more difficult because Jan Bednarek is the person that is sort of undroppable, as rightly or wrongly, he's Ralph's favourite defender. So Vestergaard's got everything against him, but if he can p- keep putting for performances like that in, he's, he's undroppable as well. But I, th- I think for me, the two things that splits them is that on paper, if you looked at it, Vestergaard brings more to the game than... Um, Benarak and Stevens, probably both of them, because you think we paid a lot of money for this guy. Like there was clearly something in that player, and it, I think the two things different, like differentiating between Stevens and Vestergaard, is that Stevens was just playing with confidence and he had a good run in the team. So, oh, Jamie, you haven't spoken a while. Um, what do you what do you reckon about that? In the fact that you know Stevens had confidence yeah. and he had his run as a team. Well, Vestergaard with confidence, how vile could he be to the team then? Things you need to well, another thing to realise is with this now another two weeks off of this international break, Salusi could be perfect form, whereas Ralph could be saving him for this Chelsea game. <coughs> you think about it, he's been out of the club for how long now, Harry? Um Salusi, two months now? Yeah. And I think it's per- it's perfect opportunity to start in the game, he's had long enough to learn mm. the system. And I think Vestergaard, but also at the same time I do agree with you all like you said before, Vestergaard in his good form he's in now. Will he be able to continue against Chelsea? I don't know, because they've got a very attacking force. And will Werner finally get a goal for Chelsea in the Premier League? Could possibly be this game. But I, ju- I, would, I would counter that in the fact that, to put it in perspective, McCarthy hasn't kept back-to-back clean sheets t- since 2018. So the last time he did that was two years ago. So we've got a defensive partnership now who are playing really well. And I think it would be unfair to, to disrupt that. And uh, like Harry said... This is an opportunity for Vestergaard to prove himself against the best and mm-hmm. show that he is ready to to be a first team player. I think it would be, uh, I think it would be a, a bad thing to do to drop him just because of a new name into the club. Mm. I don't know. What do you guys think? But then, like, but then again, I'm I'm looking at the games that we played in West Brom and in Burnley, and I'm also mm. thinking, looking back, if we didn't keep a clean sheet against either of them. I'd be quite disappointed. Maybe one of them concede one or one or so goals, but Burnley has an injury crisis, didn't really create anything. And West Brom didn't have an injury crisis, but they don't actually have a number nine. Callum Robinson is okay. He's a good player. But West Brom have been trying to search for a number nine for the last two months and haven't been able to find their man. So it's, it's a whole question of, I think we could have probably put Stevens and Bednarek in there, honestly. And we probably would have kept a clean sheet as well. So it's, it's that sort of thing as... Do you go off of form, which I, I would. I, I, I'd keep Vescard in there because he's deserved his place. But also, I've not seen him seriously challenged by either the teams that they played against. And I'd hope that he'd be able to play at a Premier League level if we paid him £20 million to be able to defend against Burnley and West Brom, who were overly quiet in both games. Yeah, I agree with you. I just think it will be a bit of a baptism of fire for Salisu's debut to be with a centre-back he hasn't played in a professional mm. game with in the Premier League straight away against Chelsea and could be no guarantee that he's better um, in a match situation than Vestergaard who's played two 
and got two clean sheets in a row. I don't know. Mm. Michael, what, what's your, your thoughts? What would you do? I, I would keep Vestergaard in. I, mm. I, I think Vestergaard's had two performances. And I think the reason why West Brom and Burnley didn't create much is because Vestergaard was dominant in the air. He, he didn't allow those balls to go over his head like he was before. He was tracking back. He was better positioned to be able to deal with those long over the top balls. And the ones that he did get caught out on, he did recover. Uh, as much as I, Vestergaard's not a slow player, he's just very slow to turn. He, if he can get in a better position, turn a little bit quicker, he's got the pace to track people back. Yeah. So I, I think Vestergaard's a solid centre half. I think he he needs to play against Chelsea. If he has a good performance against Chelsea, all of a sudden the fans are, are much better on his side. The the fans have a lot more confidence in him. He plays well against Chelsea. He keeps a clean sheet. Maybe they only score one. He's had a good game. Mm. And I'd like to see him get given that opportunity, having two good games. Again, as much as it is a weakened Burnley aside, Burnley still had Chris Wood up top, who scored 15 goals last season. As much as it was a weak West Brom side, it was a West Brom side with a lot of pace. And that's what Vestergaard struggled with with his first two seasons at the club. And they didn't get chances. There was only one chance that West Brom got, and it was a deflection of Carl Walker-Peters. McCarthy did really well to save it. Mm. Um, so I'd say there are two good performances for Vestergaard. You can get another good performance. I think he'll stay in the back four. And as much as it would be good to see Salisu start playing again and, and see what he can do with the team, is also the fact that do you want to send him out at Stamford Bridge and have that baptism of fire of Timo Werner and uh, Tammy Abraham and players like that running at him? It could be a thing of you don't want to give him that start straight away because all of a sudden he's starting on the back foot again. And that's what a lot of our signings, they've come in, they've disappointed straight away and they're already, fans are already on their back because they're expecting a performance. Yeah. Oh yeah, I said that I think Vestergaard should start. I just, all I was saying was that they're two sides that I'd hope to be able to keep, have the ability to keep a clean sheet against. That's, that's the only thing I'd start Vestergaard because he deserves his place. But yeah. I'm, not, I'm just saying he's had two it, it, solid games for nothing, nothing special. We, we were expecting to keep clean sheets against lots of teams and we didn't. But this season, we, we were supposed to... We, I expected us to keep a clean sheet against Palace because Palace looked poor. They looked poor on paper and we concede a goal and we don't score and we lose. Tottenham, I did not expect us to concede five. I thought we would lose, but that didn't work out. Against Burnley, I expected to concede a goal because that's how things were going. And we had a solid defensive performance. I expected to concede a goal against West Brom. I took Carl Walker-Peters out of my fancy team because I expected West Brom to score a goal and they didn't. Mm. So... I'm expecting us to concede against Chelsea. Let's hope yeah. it. <laughs> let's hope it. Let's hope it continues. And you were saying there, your uh, explanation, Mike, was reminding me. You said both about McCarthy and balls going over the top of Vestergaard. Well, I don't know. I, I'm trying to work out whether I saw any changes to the actual line or whether it was just the the players' confidence and performance in the actual system. But it seems like whatever happened at Spurs, the fact we just got completely torn apart um, with our Almost confidence in playing that high line. Like it seems like those players know that if that player's off, it's because they've all stepped up at the same time. Whereas I think with Spurs, when you concede that many, you have that reluctancy to step up and have that confidence once you've conceded your fifth goal. Do you know what I mean? So I was trying to work out if I did see any sort of difference to the actual setup or whether we just played it with more confidence. What do you guys think? I thought it was the same. I don't... <laughs> Because you could tell, especially against Burnley, we didn't 
particularly step back our line. It didn't feel like we were playing deeper against Burnley. It didn't feel like we were playing deeper against West Brom as well. I think it was I think the Tottenham game was a lack of confidence in mm. what the defence was supposed to be doing. Yeah. Because you could tell it was complete there was no line. There was no understanding of what they were supposed to be doing. Ralph drilled him for the for like probably the last two weeks of understanding what that line's supposed to do at every situation they're going to face, what that line is, what that line needs to look like at every point. Um, and against West Brom, against Burnley, we that line stayed and that line yeah. looked solid and it looked like that they had confidence in knowing what they were supposed to do. But I think it, it was less of overconfidence in the Spurs game, but lack of confidence and understanding. And I think there is understanding right. Jabo Tiz, do you agree with the de- defensive setup? It seemed a little bit deeper, only because the West Brom and Burnley didn't try any balls over the top. Like we, I know you're talking about confidence, but not having one mistake in 180 minutes of football, I think it dropped slightly, and I think that did make quite a bit of difference. I'm not saying it dropped back 10 yards, but even just a few yards, so it gave Vestergaard more confidence to you know, sit back and when the ball came over the top. But it just didn't seem like Westmore tried that at all. Whether that's because they didn't have any of the ball, I'm not too sure. But then against Burnley, Burnley, Burnley dominated the game in large percentages, and it seemed like the only way that they got a lot of their chances was knocking the ball to the back post rather than over the top of our defence. So I think we changed it slightly, but not not drastically. One thing I am worried about, though, is the set the set pieces that we defend. We defend with an incredibly high line. Mm. Um, compared to a lot of the league and Liverpool do that as well and I was thinking at some point we are going to get done by this we almost did because the large centre-half can't remember his name the massive lad at the back yeah he almost got his leg to two and he would have been onside for both of them and now Villa seems like they've worked out how to counter the set piece did you see it on match of the day they um uh, Villa had a free kick Liverpool played that really high line again and someone made a run at the back post. They just stuck the ball at the back post, knocked it back across goal, and they had three runners coming in on goal, completely unmarked. So I don't know if that's if Chelsea are going to try that against us for our set pieces, and that could be something to look out for. Okay. Yeah. Um, do we have any other kind of final thoughts on West Brom? Because I know we're, we're um, edging closer to transfer deadline. So I was going to say transfer deadline day, but it doesn't really. There's been no mention of the Spanish wonder. Yeah, the the, the man who trained Lionel Messi in how to score. (laughs) Oh right. Um, (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, Ramirez goal. How have we not spoken about that, boys? That's the analogy. (laughs) What do you mean, Harry? It makes. I back myself in saying that statement. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's one of the most unexpected things I've ever seen in the Southampton. Because <laughs> mm. I saw Romeo running up to it. I saw him make connection. I thought it went five yards wide. I I, I didn't really look at it. I just mm. expected it to go five yards wide. I looked back at the TV and all of a sudden the ball's bouncing out the net and he's running to the corner, hugging this, hugging um, Armstrong. It's like mm. okay, then is that actually just happened? Is is, is he actually uh, scored that? No amount of replays could. I couldn't watch it. There wasn't a clear angle which made me go, yeah. oh, that makes sense how he's done that. It <laughs> yeah, looks like a 50-50. Yeah. It mm. looks like he's gone in for like a header or something and just gone, I'm going to get that ball or man, I'm getting one of them. Yeah. And it comes off 
something and it's just gone flying into the net. It looks like it's on the outside of his boot. Yeah, it's yeah. Like outside of his boot, and yeah. he's cracked it into the bottom corner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! And I do not, yeah, I do not know, but I was just, and the, the fact he put the one hand up when it was reminiscent of Shearer, <laughs> I just loved it. I absolutely <laughs> loved it. He didn't know what to do, did he? He was running away and going, "This doesn't happen very often." <laughs> like one hand, why not? Yeah, let's do that. He was saying in an interview afterwards that is the best goal that he's ever scored, but there's not many to um to, to do. <laughs> he's yeah. only got six in his captain shirt. Yeah. Tiz, can you remember his last one? What against Fulham? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's my question. <laughs> he said confidence, didn't he? <laughs> one two, don't wait. <laughs> um, well, I was thinking about it. Romeo. There was obviously our, our signing Diali who came in. I think he was announced. Oh, yeah, literally straight after the game um ralph did it pretty bluntly in a post-match conference um but romeo had a, a pretty good game i thought he looked a little bit quiet once he was carded and then he popped up with a a brilliant goal so again it's kind of like is it a bit like the salisu thing where you just you just give him time because the players are doing well at the moment would you agree that's the same sort of thing you got to do with romeo don't change something that's not broken is Boom. a phrase that I use constantly. And in that order, got, or would you do it in the more traditional order? In, wait, what do you mean? Isn't the phrase "if it ain't broke, don't fix it"? Yeah, but we. I mean, we, you said it more eloquently and flipped it the other way around, like a postmodern version. So yeah. what Harry does, yeah. that's what I do. I change, <laughs> I change things to make them sound better. But yeah, yeah, like I, I think we should stick with the same thing, and until we get a couple of losses because as much as Diallo's good once again he's got to learn the system I know I don't know I've, seen, I've heard from Twitter that they play a similar system or something like that in France so I don't know that for definite but he needs to learn the Southampton way before he can mm-hmm. actually start playing so for me I prefer if we just kept the same thing make him train for a few weeks he's away with the French international under 23 so by the time he gets back and only actually have a week until the Chelsea game so I'd happily have you know this, a similar setup, especially because against Chelsea, it's likely that they're, they're going to dominate the ball, so we're going to have to have someone like Romero that's going to sit more often than not. So I'd happily keep it the same, to be honest, and just give him time to bed in. Because like Salisi, they're both only 21. They're not experienced yeah. players coming into a new side. They're youngsters coming into a new side, so that even adds more pressure. So I, I'd wait, How old's Nathan Teller? 22. Oh, 2022, 2022, 2022, one of the two. Because right. <laughs> I'm just trying to work it out. Because you look, you think about these players coming in and think they're going to be straight to first team. He's 21, Teller. And what about Smallburn? How old is Smallburn? He's 20. Smallburn's the same age. Like, there's always this notion when you sign these players that they're going to go straight to the first team, but they're still young lads, aren't they? And I think we have always put pressure on our youth players to rise to the occasion but I'm more than happy to have a bit you know that a bit of experience with Romeo as well I really thought it was good to see from Bertrand he he's just so good at getting those those tactical fouls and things like that and although Romeo does pick up a lot of cards he knows when to push his luck and when not to so it's good to have that bit of experience around the side as well um I thought McCarthy looked a lot more stable in defense as well he came out and sweeped and put a couple of headers into the into throw-ins and stuff like that it just seemed like um, there was a really nice mix of um, energy from the youth and a bit of uh, creativity, but you well, had that experience. Yeah, go on. So you can say adding the likes of Theo Walcott to the squad 
can really continue your statement there. Yeah, yeah, go on then. How, how would you feel that the uh, involvement of Theo Walcott will affect the side? I actually think he'll, he'll give it so much talent and his talent he has in him. Ralph can really express that. Ralph can really get that out of him. And he can really add to the squad the depth we need, which we were lacking before. Showing we're having all the youth players on our bench, which was, it was a good sign, also a bad sign as well. Mm. And like I said, he can teach Nathan Teller, Red, it is seems to Redmond, you could argue as well, and Mr. Janopo how to play in the Premier League. This man's got over 100 goals in the Prem. And people really put the respect on his name that he deserves. Yep. Walcott's the one where you, you expected a lot more out of him from so where where he came onto the scene he got a big move to Arsenal at like 16 17 um he scored a hat trick on his on his England debut he was the youngest ever player to score a hat trick for England and then can all of this um all of this sort of thing building up he's supposed to be the next big thing and uh and it hasn't happened for him unfortunately he wanted to play up front for Arsenal Wenger wouldn't let him uh got a move to Everton he was linked with us two years ago and now he's finally come back to the South Coast. Yeah, I think we're trying to use the Danny Ings idea and think he's a he's a lad who's local. Well, kind of. He came through the youth setup, so he knows the club. And I think we want him to try and connect with the fans and really try and put 100% for the club, which I think is, is a good side. A, a good side, a, a good idea. But was I thrilled about the when we were linked with him? Not really. But will I back him when he's at the club? Yeah, of course we will. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm I'm happy if it, Jamie, you're shaking your head. What, what's the head shake for, man? See, back the players that bring in the club. Probably. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, of course, if when he's here, I'm going to back the player. But I'm just saying that, like, when I was linked to him, I wasn't ecstatic. Same. Harry, I think, you're... I think, I think <laughs> he's a good option. He, he He's a capable backup to Stuart Armstrong. He can also play up front, meaning that, you know... It's, it's another. It's booted Shane Long sadly down at another <laughs> step in the pecking order. But I, I still think Shane Long's a, a hundred a good asset for the squad. I'm not saying that I really like Shane Long, but I'm saying Theo Walcott is probably more dangerous and probably more clinical as well. But I think he's just an overall asset. He's only say I don't, it's only fifty percent of his wages, so it's not too much. Yes, it's going against the philosophy of having under under 24 players but if we kept doing that we'd have a ridiculously young squad with no experience so mm-hmm. we've got a li- I don't know how much of a leader he is but we've got a guy of experience a guy that a guy that knows what it means to play in the Premier League not really at Southampton because he didn't play in the Premier League at Southampton but is I think it's a good signing overall especially on loan you know if we if we want to sign him again I think Everton will be more than happy to let him go to us but just as a loan deal you know we've benefited for a loan for once we've not just sent 15,000 players out yeah. for a loan we've got one on loan so it's, it's good to hear and we got the, the double thumbs up from Jamie is this official confirmation? That's the green of Harry Oh, he, actually, okay. he actually knows football like you, Ollie. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> rude. Very rude. <laughs> Unneeded slightly. I know. I, I take I've, it. Been, I take I've it. been nothing but supportive this episode. I, we, we, there was an applause at the start of the episode for you, Jamie. There was an applause. <laughs> did we, I do it? <laughs> yeah, you applauded yourself, but there was an applause. <laughs> that could be easily edited out. <laughs> um, Mikey, your thoughts on Phil Walcott? Returning um, home? Mixed. Oh, I would say, oh, it, is, it, it is just 
the way that I think of it is think of Danny Ings um, because he was injury prone. He was a player that wasn't exactly on form. We knew the quality that he could bring if he mm. did stay fit. I think Walcott's the same. Walcott, we know he's a quality player. He played at the top level for a long time. He's older than Ings was, um, but it's a year. It's 50% of his wages. He'll be a good option off the bench at the moment. Um, and maybe if Armstrong gets another injury again, if Redmond falls off a of form, maybe like he can get a couple of starts in there as well. Uh, it'll be exciting to see him back in the Southampton shirt because mm. I've never seen it personally. I've only seen the highlights of his what twenty odd appearances in that one season in the Championship. But yeah, it, it'll mix exciting, yeah. also a little bit wary of where it can go. Because I think the way that I saw Walcott is the same way that a lot of people saw a lot Lalana. In the fact, I'd love to have seen him come back, but he's old, he's injury prone, and we'd be paying quite a bit of his wages. Even though we've got fifty percent, still fifty mm. a week that we're paying him. So yeah. it's it is that balance of are we? Yeah, I, I'm a little bit indifferent about it. Well, I was looking at Jamie's wonderful backdrop, and you won't be able to see this because uh, we're only doing audio tonight, but. The yellow shirt reminds me of uh, Elia when he came on loan. And although he didn't do particularly much when he came in, he had a game changer of a, of a game. And, you know, it was... We signed the Dutch Messi. But you kind of look at that loan and it's kind of like he won us one game and he kind of did his job, didn't he? So, mm. you know, you, you kind of think Walcott's not going to go straight into the first team. He is only on loan, but he can be a bit of a bit of a role model. Hopefully, maybe one game he could be a, a difference maker. I don't know whether he's still got, is he still got is he still pacey? I don't know. He's, he's, back back himself. Himself. he's not played enough at Everton for us to know if he's still pacey. Well, Harris, he, play, he played um, twenty nine games last season. Season four, he played forty. He's played a decent amount. The last uh, time which Walcott play was in the game against Everton in the two one. Uh, defeat mm. just after the Leicester game, and I thought Walcott did all right. I thought he he looked he he looked okay. He looked like an aging Premier League winner winger. That's what I thought he looked like. But he did all right, and he was dangerous as as dangerous as a Marco Silva Everton team gets. But we still lost to yeah. Um, so I don't know if there's any of there's there's whisperings that we might try and take a punt on someone. Near the end of the window, apparently, but... Adam Blackmore's now said the interest has cooled. So Ooh. I think that's I just done. Business is done for tonight. Does it look like? See, yeah, we so. assume that the business is not going to happen. Jack Wilshire, unfortunately, Harry. Uh, Jack oh, Wilshire is not going to be coming into Southampton. Players leaving the squad. We have some um, wages free. Hmm. Yeah, we'll take a punt on a one-year contract. Exactly. I'd, I'd, I'd take a punt on a pay-as-you-play. Yeah, exactly. Pay, Jack, you you see, Andy Carroll did that con- at Newcastle. That's exactly, yeah. That's yeah. I mean. And Jack Wilshere would 100% snap a Premier League team. This joke is no longer funny. Like, <laughs> actually getting in Jack Wilshere. I, ge- I genuinely guess I genuinely guess him because I think he'd be a capable backup. Yeah. And I think he'd be happy to play that role because I think that Southampton's the best. Unless he, he could go to the MLS where he's going to get a lot of money, but if he wants to still play at the top level and have the ambition that Theo Walcott still does to play at the level, then I'd... What, I'd you put him in the defensive midfield? I'd play... I'd, yeah, but not straight away. I'd play him when we needed him. I, I'd, he'd be fourth choice, so if he's happy to be that, he can go for it, but I don't think he'd be happy to be that. So that's probably why we're not going to guess him. See, this is why I like Harry. You're only 
the only advantage I can see Jack Wilshere bringing is the creativity in the midfield that we lack. Exactly. We, we don't have a central midfielder that can just ping a pass or like just off the off the cuff ten yard passing behind us. We don't have a player like that where his game is creativity. That's the only advantage I can see Jack Wilshere bringing in. And the fantastic thing about it is a free transfer, so we can just get him any time. We don't have to get him today. You know, if we need to pluck pluck him, we can get him any time. So hmm. until he's I'd personally give it a miss, but that's maybe that's, so that's me just you're, you're you're not outgoing like me and Jamie. Yeah, thank yeah. You. exactly. Mikey, hit or miss with uh, Jack Wilshire. <laughs> he's another body. That's the only thing that yeah, sure go for it. If he if he's willing to cut his wages to like twenty k a week, <laughs> well, Harry's saying pay to play. I know, when you play, you get paid. Not, has to, not like five aside, you have to give a five <laughs> when you walk in to, yeah. to play. Oh. Otherwise, that wouldn't be beneficial. Well, you, are you way, saying but... you wouldn't take him on a, a pay-to-play when he pays us to play? I don't think he'd take that, so... Mm. Okay. All right. Well, there we go. Do we? So, do we have any other transfer rumours yeah, outgoing? I mean... has gone, and Wesley Hoyt's gone. I'm, dis- yeah. I'm disappointed. Gallagher. Uh, not Gallagher. Why, is it, why did I say Gallagher? I'm dis- that was over a year ago. I'm disappointed to see Buffal go, especially <laughs> on a free transfer, because he has, I think he still could have contributed this season. But if he wasn't happy and Ralph wants him to go, then I guess at the end of the day, if that gets his wages off the books, then mm. that's, that's what it is at the end of the day. Are you looking to ship your Buffal shirt now people are feeling sentimental <laughs> about no, him? Now, no, because now he's moved. He's got he's going to get first team football. He's going to get another big move in, in a year and a half time. So. And I'll buy a shirt investment. Exactly. It's an investment because when he goes to when Barcelona side him because they do ridiculous transfers, <laughs> you know, he's going to go through the roof. So. Yeah. I'm still waiting for Blackburn to get promoted for my Gallagher shirt to go through the roof. Apparently. I think he'll be waiting a very long time. Same, Mikey. Especially well, my, because he does My target score. jumper is probably looking at his all-time best after a 7-2 win against <laughs> so, yeah, I, I should probably sell up while I can, I'm guessing. But, but I'd say overall, this has been a good window for Southampton. Let's put a number on it. Seven out of ten, yeah. Seven out of ten, I would say. We've got a good. Well, it looks like we've got good young centre back come in, good young defensive midfielders come in. We've got a Premier League quality right back in, um, and we've got players off the books like Harry Reid, like Lamina, like C- like Cedric Yashida, Carisho, Hoyt. They're all off now. Bufau's going to be off the books. Cur- like these players that had been stuck around, they were just deadwood in the squad, have mm. now left, and we're no longer paying their wages. <laughs> yeah, so nice just to not look at Guido Carrillo. I love he he played okay. He tried really really hard when he came in. I felt sorry for him because it was just a ridiculous transfer for us to do but just to not see him on our wage bill is going to be quite nice I've got to say and we did get the last year of his contract paid by Elch as well uh, who he's got to that was our compensation fee for it so we don't have to pay his wages for another year he's just gone now we've just cut ties just a relief yeah just an absolute <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd agree I'd probably go for an 8 I'd say got a good centre back Carl Walker-Peters, I think, was a good piece of business, all, all considering. Hoiberg wanted out and we got him out. I think we, we got realised that was a decent move and we got a replacement in for him. So that was kind of like for like. 
Um, to only get a bit more, I'd say that if if we had um, Hoyt go permanently, I know we've got him alone. We've got we've kind of got that era now coming back. So like Lamina and Hoyt have still got like two years left, haven't they? So once they're all wrapped up, it's kind of like we've kind of said goodbye to that weird Hughes Pellegrino era. So. Yeah, I think I, I'd, I'd say that I was pretty pleased with it. Harry, what would you say, mate? I'm between a six and a seven because I think an eight, nine, or ten would be if you've done more than expected and better than expected. Mm. Whereas I think we've done okay. We've got the players we expected, but mm. it's taken the last week of the transfer window to actually get the players that we're expecting to get in January rather than now so we've done what's expected so i'm going to just i'm going to go out there i'm going to give it a six because i'm happy with the deals but it's taken a bit too long and we haven't got anyone extra like walcott's good i'm glad we got walcott but it's not ridiculous amount of quality being added it's it's a good bit quality but not a ridiculous amount so i'm happy with the deal but i'm not blown away like I was three or four seasons ago where on the final day we got Mane we got Alderweireld <laughs> so comparatively yeah. it doesn't it's not even close so for me it's a, it's a six I think it depends on how Diallo and Salisu do at their time at the club if they can maybe not kick on this season kick off kick on next season and show why like at the back end of this season maybe after January if, if they get used to the football and they get their chance in the first team see how they do because um, I think what what we needed was we needed to bolster our squad with quality, um, and I think we have centre back wise we now look quite solid. Benarek, Vestergaard, Stevens, Salisu, that looks like a solid four that we can rotate in and out, no, like no matter what sort of situation it is. Um, Fullbacks are a worry for me because I don't know how ready Vokins is if Bertrand gets injured. Uh, Valerie's looked shaky ever since the Newcastle game. Um, so I'm still not too sure about those two. If we can get a Yedlin deal over the line or something like that, I'll be more than happy with that. Uh, but I wouldn't know how much Yedlin's actually an improvement over Valerie. That's my only issue. Midfield-wise, we look straight like we look to have strength with Romay, well, Romay, Walprouse and Diallo. That looks fine in my eyes. And then that still gives a pathway to Smallbone. He's not quite that next person that has to come in, he, he does have that, still got that pathway into the first team. He's not completely blocked out. Uh, Walcott's a good signing. My only issue is that we don't have a target man centre forward. That's what I would like to be seen brought in, but that's not going to happen. I don't think that's how Ralph plays. It's just how I'd like it to, uh, <laughs> how I'd like it to look just a different option as a striker. Yeah. I was just thinking when you guys were talking about that, I thought, we have to kind of put a, uh, with the self-sustaining, and I, you know how much I hate talking about self-sustaining because oh, yeah. um, it's uh, it's not a, it's not an appealing thing to talk about, is it? But it kind of reminds me that the whole uh, takeover thing has quietened down. I don't know whether that's because it's quietly getting on in the background or whether it's dried up. Have we heard anything, or has transfer rumours taken the forefront of the Saints' news? I just thought, I think no one expected him, the person to take over in this transfer window, so it's not really mm. of any interest. Like, if he tried to take over two months ago, it can go, right, I'll be in the, he'll be in the club, and then for the next two months he can buy players. But with two weeks until the, the uh, thing, to the transfer window shut, no one really expects him to be able to do anything. So we're just slowly waiting. And hopefully, yeah. hopefully by January, maybe he's in, but I, 
I'm, I'm not too sure because I think there are more attractive clubs out there ready to be sold. Fair enough. Okay. Well, we can keep an eye on that. Have well, we got any other? Oh. I've only just looked. Jack Wilsh is 28. I know. Uh, he's like 32. <laughs> no, no. He's, 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 he's still a, a released by West Ham. Yeah. Oh, mm. what happened, Jack? What happened? Injuries. Pretty much, isn't it? Yeah, basically, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I think that's we've covered pretty much everything, haven't we? I think we're still waiting yeah. on official Walcott confirmation, but I'm sure by no, this time it doesn't happen now. <laughs> I think by the... after saying all this, it doesn't. Yeah, happen. after saying all this, he does enjoy. But yeah. I think it's pretty much there. Let's touch wood and make sure it does actually go across the line. But uh, <laughs> uh, until then, we'll wait for the confirmation. We'll speak to you next time. I don't know whether we'll, will we be doing a preview. Uh, I mean, for... might as well because every a lot of things will change in the next mm. week and a half. So yeah, might yeah. As well. we'll make sure that you check the link in the bio, which will take you to all of our accounts. We'll make sure you keep updated for when we have new episodes, things like that. And uh, if you've got any ideas for the international break, we've got a Google form in our links, so you can drop any ideas if you want us to do a an episode a little less topical and a little bit more general. If you have any ideas, drop them in there. Uh, make sure you drop your name as well, so we can uh, credit you if we. We like the idea and we do use it. We can uh, give you a little shout out as well. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed. And uh, we'll see you again next time. Do you want to say goodbye, guys? Goodbye, guys. Uh, uh... You're so funny, Henry. <laughs> thank you very much.